0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Direct-to-Video Connoisseur. Uh, I apologize for that. I realized I started the theme song without going live. I was like, why am I not hearing the theme song through uh, the Mixler uh, browser or window? Because I hadn't gone live. But, you know, we're live now. Um, Today is our Halloween episode, so uh, I want to welcome, as always, Jamie. Welcome to the show.
2: Hello, and happy Halloween, everyone.
0: That's right. Happy Halloween. And we have a special guest Uh, This evening we have Alex Edwards of the Skeleton Crew podcast. So welcome to you as well, Alex.
1: Thanks, man. Glad to be here.
0: Excellent. Now, Jamie, you do Skeleton Crew as well, is that right? Were you guest? Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, that's that. Alex is my co-host, and you know we we uh, just tomorrow we're dropping our one hundredth episode. Wow. Friday, Friday on Halloween, uh, we're dropping our one hundredth episode. Yep.
0: Now, what do you have planned for the big one double
2: uh, well, it's a lot of um, I don't. It's a lot of fun stuff. A lot of clips from the previous ninety-nine episodes, or, or however many, and um, us just reflecting back on one hundred because it's also uh, it's the end. We said we were going to end at a hundred, so
0: oh, so this is it. You know. The skeleton crew is done after this, or
1: yep, pretty much. Yeah, it's the, uh, you know, the big wrap up. Uh, we went hundred, went strong for a while. And this month was, uh, you know, uh, tough on all of us. We went really hard this time and, you know, big grand finale. It's going to be a gigantic show. Uh, yeah, you know, we always said we're going to do hundred and, uh, you know, see what's going to happen from there. So, you know, this is it. So, <laughs> mm,
0: wow. I didn't. So, so that's it. So when did, the, when did the podcast start? when was the first episode
1: uh april 2 2012.
0: so so two and a half years two and a half
1: year run yep Yep. long run uh a lot of changes throughout uh when jamie hopped on the show got a lot better she came in in 2013 january and the show just you know went to another level and everything just kept snowballing got a lot more uh, people listening and had a lot more fun and uh you know, it's just uh, the only reason we would leave It's just very, very tough and time-consuming to um, to do all the production and behind-the-scenes preparation and things like that. It's, it's just a lot goes into it. The air stuff is a little bit tedious, so it's just it's uh, the way to do it. <laughs>
0: yeah, now I can I can attest to uh, what it means to have Jamie added to a show how how well that adds to <laughs> because Because the same thing for me with the Direct-to-Video Connoisseur podcast. Once Jamie uh, agreed to be my, my co-host full-time, it has been, you know, we haven't looked back since. We've had great shows ever since, too. So I could totally attest to how that would change the the uh, the um the quality of a show.
2: ah yeah. you can't see it, but I'm blushing right now. Thank you.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, I mean... You can
2: hear it. You can hear the big grin on my face. <laughs> 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 That's sweet of
0: you. Yeah, so now, now what are you... What are your plans, both of you? Uh, you have—I know, Jamie. You have plenty of other podcasts that you do. How about you, Alex? Do you have other other shows that you do?
1: Uh, just one. I a different horror podcast. Uh, I joined. I don't know exactly when. Remember, Jamie? It was like sometime in the summer.
2: Uh there's season two. The, I don't remember when the official yeah beginning was. Maybe August, G- or was it before that?
1: It seems like. Maybe June, July. Oh, oh, I know. It was supposed to be July 4th, but it was like five days before that is when I joined. And the reason I, I was like, I was like, well, you gotta be kidding me? Why wasn't it July 4th? Is because the first movie we reviewed was uh, Shining. So I said that picture at the end when it says July 4th and that party that they're all at. How could we not release this on July 4th just for you know uh, connection purposes? And so that means it definitely it was like five days before July 4th. So I've been there since then. Um, and I'll probably hang for the whole season until the next uh, June, whatever. Point.
2: Oh, and, and it's that's been-
1: called Banana Laser. <laughs> I <forgot to>
2: say. <laughs> yeah, and the Banana Laser was originally Dave and Matt. And there are two really great guys who have both been on Skeleton Crew a lot. And um, so when I found out that Alex was going to be joining them, it really seemed like a perfect fit because he's just slid right on in there with those guys. And um, they do a terrific show.
0: That sounds great. That sounds awesome. Now, I know we have some people listening in the audience. Um, I'm noticing on my feed that the mic is going when, when you two are speaking. Can anybody say, is there an echo? Are you guys getting an echo out there? Just want to make sure. I don't know I can never tell. Like I, it, it, Usually I don't see too much movement, but it's possible that I've just got a fan going or something like that that's causing it, but it just seemed like... I don't, I'm not seeing any any indication, so it looks like we're okay. I just wanted to make sure. Well, that's cool, though. I think that's cool. Ending on, on 100. Now, I don't know. Jamie and I, we have a long ways to go with uh, 100 here for the Direct-to-Video Sore podcast. So, uh, Somebody <laughs> said, did the sound die? Right, can you hear? Brian, can you hear us? said that the sound die. What's going on here? Oh, uh, all right. Jamie, can you try speaking for me? Jamie or Alex? I can try. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. I
2: don't do that very much, so I don't know if I'll be good at it. <laughs>
0: no, you're good. Okay. Well, it, all right. So Brian said that the sound die. So are we not on the air, Brian? Okay. And we're back. All right. So something happened there. All right. We'll see what happens. All right.
2: The beauty of live radio.
0: Yes, the beauty of live on Mixler. And I had a feeling, you know, something wasn't right about Mixler tonight when I got on And, You know, maybe it's, you know, maybe it, it is. This this apartment is an old apartment. Um, it's possible that, um, uh, you know, Mr. Pritchard is lurking somewhere, <laughs> telling me that there are ghosts here that are. Uh, <laughs> There's
1: you nothing know. you can
0: do about it. That's right. <laughs> I, I should maybe warn Jen not to open any. Any chests or anything like that, because she might find um, some frozen or thawing Neanderthal heads somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> some some icemen thawing. So we we won't do that.
2: Yeah, my personal theory is that it's a haint.
0: It's a yes. Yeah, right. it, what the the head?
2: <laughs> no the, the the our show is hainted.
0: Our, it's hainted. <laughs> That could be. That could be. Well, it's southern. It's, hainted is southern. <laughs> yeah. Hainted
2: haunted
1: <laughs> <Heined.
0: laughs> haunted <handed>? a haunted house <laughs> <laughs> All right. well today's film is house on haunted hill and um now of course the thing with this movie is it was remade what in the early 2000s kind of in that 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 I don't know what 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 was that movement that we could call it that sort of that movement that happened there in the mid 2000s where it was like uh or the early 2000s where they after scream and all that, or they just wanted to make movies with kids in situations, and they were remaking old horror movies. Did I say House on Haunted? Oh, House on Haunted Hill. <laughs> okay, but um, you know what I mean. It was kind of like the remake was in that mold, and they, you know, I think they did House of Wax. They did a few around that time, um. But we're talking about the original here tonight because I just um, you know, why talk about that new one? That's just a mess. But uh,
2: Jeffrey Rush was good.
0: He was. I was telling Jen about that. Yeah, so at least we had Jeffrey Rush. Tay Diggs wasn't.
1: No, I was just saying that uh, I actually used to watch the remake quite a few times. Uh, at, in 1999, when, when I think it came out, I was 19. And at that time, I wasn't really horror savvy with all what the good stuff is. And I, I was just watching whatever was around, or whatever came out at the time. So um, to me, horror was like the faculty, disturbing behavior, uh, the remake, House of Haunted Hill. And I, I wouldn't give horror much thought at the time. And so I've watched this uh, quite a few times, but I noticed that when I did get into horror, um in two thousand uh like two thousand one, um I never really revisited this movie and I so it's been like thirteen years I guess since I saw the remake of House in Haunted Hill. But uh so I wouldn't even know how it would sit with me these days, but back then it was okay.
0: How about you, Jamie? What were your thoughts on either of the two? The the original or the new one? Did you see the new one?
1: Oh
2: yeah, I saw it and um that's pretty much what I remember taking away from it was Jeffrey Rush. Yep. You know, Jeffrey Rush Rush was a good example of someone who could uh, pull off a part that was originally played by Vincent Price. I was happy with that. I love him as an actor in anything, so I was really happy with his performance. But, you know, there were three remakes that came out right around that time. Um, it was this one and 13 Ghosts and The Haunting and I don't really care for any of them. Um, actually, the, the one I've watched most recently was The Haunting, and that one starts out pretty strong, but then all the CGI starts creeping in, and it's really bad, and it just sort of ruins the whole thing. Uh, I think it just completely takes away from the atmosphere. So I'm not really, I wasn't really into all of those. It's probably been about that long since I've seen the remake of this one as well. As far as the original... That's just a damn good movie. I love it. I mean, it's Vincent Price. I really can't complain about anything that Vincent Price does. I love him. Um, I just recently watched his induction into the Horror Hall of Fame from 1990. Uh, there was um, a whole, like, award show that was hosted by Robert England and they inducted The Exorcist and uh, Forey Ackerman and Vincent Price and all these, you know, cl- like Alien and all the the classics. And, um when Vincent Price was giving his acceptance speech, I just bawled, you know, because one, mainly because he's not with us anymore, but then also because he, he got it. Like, he really understood what horror was and how important it was, and the even though at that point he wasn't active, really, you know, his, his heyday had been generations before, he still was able to connect with present-day horror and the way it was at the time, and I just thought that was that spoke volumes about who he was because he was completely dedicated to the genre. So, anyway, um, so films like this, uh, the one we're about to talk about, um, I love them for that reason because they're steeped in it, and uh, that was a, you know, really important time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I watched this with Jen last night, and we were both, you know, like there was a part of us that was kind of like, you know, we we were we were poking fun at it we were making jokes about things cuz you know what what you know why not but then there, of course there's that other part of it where you just you know you're you know of course like you said you know like like Jen made a point that sometimes the horror movies back then were scarier than horror movies today and they were a little more gruesome in some ways um and this i think showed it in some ways especially compared to that remake but um you know that this movie vincent price of course sells it as the scary guy but there's just so much going on in this film that uh, is just perfect scary oh brian simmons is giving us a question mark does that mean he can't hear us or does that mean we're not making any sense <laughs> <Who
2: knows? laughs> i don't know <laughs>
0: silent again oh don't say silent again can we're speaking can you hear us
2: what is happening that is so bizarre. It's Alex's fault. I
0: I wonder if if what happened was maybe mm-hmm. maybe I needed to be the one to initiate the Skype call. I don't know. But you did. No, I call. I think Al, did Alex call? I don't know how that worked. I
1: called your group. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know if that does it. I don't. Uh, you know. Want me to hang up and you call me back? No, he said we're back. We're back. So maybe okay. we're just going to be in and out tonight. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so
2: maybe Mixler's just being a dick. It
0: might just be that <laughs> Mixler's having trouble. Yeah, and we'll find out. Okay, we can hear you now. Perfect. Thank you, Brian. Brian, you are our ears on the ground tonight. You are our, <laughs> you know...
2: He's like Chopper Dave.
0: Exactly. Chopper Dave. Give us the, the lowdown on what's going on here. So if you can't hear us, yeah, we're going to need that, that input. <laughs> but, um, um, but, you know, there's... There's parts of this movie that, like, yeah, like, you know, the, um, you know, the whole thing between Vincent Price and his wife is just very creepy. Um, the th- I
2: love their exchanges. Though. Yeah, they have. I, <laughs> while we were watching this, I turned to Brian. I'm like, you know, I hope one day our relationship can be that strong. And he's like, what? You want us to try to poison each other? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Obviously,
2: I was kidding. Yes. but uh, it's just the the way that they just. Throw barbs at each other the entire time oh. uh, was it just it's humorous, uh, but it's just like when you have Vincent Price in that role and he's basically you know he's pouring wine and she's like I haven't poisoned it and he, yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, and he's just like oh well considering you've already tried to do that basically she tried to poison him with arsenic uh, earlier and I mean it's just they have this really tension field relationship field filled relationship and uh, I it added so much. To their characters, I I just enjoy watching the two of them. Yeah,
0: you know, I I, I was going to say the same thing. I, I what was it? Arsenic on the rocks. I I love that yeah. line from the yes. film. Yes, <laughs> Alex, how about you? What were your thoughts on on this one, especially um, you know, in light of having started with the original or the new the remake uh,
1: before it? I'm not really sure if I started with the remake before. I might have seen this, you know, just growing up. Um, But, no, to me, this was always uh, a great movie. I mean, since day one, because I'm really into haunted houses. And I feel like I never really get a movie that is uh, fulfilling that way. Like, it's really few and far between to ever see a haunted house movie that's uh, done well. And the only two that really stick out to me are this and the movie House from 1986. Like, to me, those are what I imagine when I think of a haunted house movie. So... Um, this one's kind of funny, though, because it seems like a genuine haunted house, but then it's sort of, uh, revealed to be disingenuine at the end, and it's kind of weird because there are some things that just don't add up, even when you try to, like, figure out, wait, was this really a haunted thing, or was this real, or if these guys were doing this, how did that even happen? How, how was she hovering out the window? Like, I don't even understand, like, a lot of stuff that's going on in the movie, but, uh, yeah, I mean, to me, this was always, like... Something to definitely own. Uh, something to watch on a at least bi- yearly basis. Always a favorite of mine.
2: Yeah, yeah. I this is one of those movies that I can never remember. Uh, when it by the time we get to the end, I can never remember I'm going back and forth the <laughs> whole time while I'm watching it. Going, well, does it end up being real? or Is it end up being fake? Does it end up being? I mean, I'm and I can never remember because, it's approached with, you know, in the very beginning you get the talking head, you know, talking about. Um, And then, of course, it rounds out at the end, you know, with, you know, talking about how many people have been murdered there and all the ghosts that are there. And um, uh, I love that ominous beginning with the talking head. But it's every time I watch it, I have to I have to really watch it because I can never quite remember. But I like that. There are only a handful of movies that do that. But I love that I can't remember because it's like watching it for the first time every time.
0: Yeah, you know, that's. For me, I haven't seen this in years. Um, I don't remember when I saw it. So watching it with Jen, it, a lot of it was new for me again as well. Certain parts where I remembered, and then it's kind of like a uh, when when you get to the um, when we saw the acid when you, they first open up the the thing and show that it's acid. What did they drop in there? Was that a, a horseshoe crab or something? I don't know what that was that went in the in the into the the vat, but. Um, you know, Where
2: would they get just a random horseshoe crab? No, they got a
1: rat. Didn't they throw a rat in there? Yeah. It was in a rat mouse trap, and they lifted it and yeah. undid the trap.
0: That's what Jen was saying.
1: Horseshoe crab? What the hell? <laughs>
0: Jen was saying it was like a rat. I was like, look like a horseshoe crab. They just kind of found it and threw it in there and like grabbed the horseshoe crab. Here's
2: a question. Why do they still have a pit of acid in this house? <laughs> like, don't you think at some point somebody would have gotten rid of
1: that?
0: Well, no, because Vincent Price loaded it up, right? Or...
2: Oh, well, did he load it? I fresh? guess.
1: Yeah, but who left the blood on the ceiling that was still wet? No, was and that the woman
2: <laughs> who keeps who keeps having it drip on her? And I'm like, you know what? And she's like, she's just constantly her- throughout the movie, it's dripping on her hand. And I'm like, you might want to move. You know? just like when you see and her reaction every time is so classic because she doesn't like she doesn't scream, she doesn't pull her hand back. She just looks down. And she's like, oh, look at that. You know, I think if I was standing somewhere and just some random drops of blood started hitting my hand, I'd be a little bit alarmed. Well you know.
0: that leads me to believe that on set it was probably like uh hershey's chocolate syrup or something like that and so she wasn't doing a good job of faking that it was blood she was like mm, what was this chocolate si-? she
2: was just trying not to lick it i guess
0: it, w- it was more of a nuisance than anything and so she <laughs> was annoyed but um yeah i mean the moment i saw the vat of acid i was like oh skeleton scene i can't wait for that scene you know and uh and so of course, then I, I remembered, you know I started remembering things as it went, but um, you know, I, I still couldn't remember, because the the new movie, "The New House on Haunted Hill," uses real ghosts, or I'm not saying real ghosts, but the ghosts are actually a part of the story as opposed to uh, in this film where um, it's all a big setup. And, and I know what you mean about like certain aspects of the go- of the, the fake ghosts, like, again, like, how did she hover out there? Um, you know. How did they do the thing with the rope? Like, how did any of that stuff work if it was all made up?
2: Um, yeah, that rope thing, I, that gets me every time. Because it's, I, I mean, how would you pull that off? Right. I like, still don't know how you would pull that off.
1: I don't understand that at all. And I don't understand how, after she was out the window hovering in what seemed to be just the air out of the window, um, <clears throat> the, the girl runs right out of her door, right down the stairs, and she's already hanging from the ceiling again. How is that even possible?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Unless they were using like a hologram. But they did, did Did they have holograms back then? Was that a thing? I don't know. They had them in Scooby Doo.
1: A, if- <laughs> a hologram with a, a, a rope with a mind of its own and a girl who's willing to stand there while it wraps around her legs.
2: And can I tell you, too, that Carolyn Craig has an amazing set of lungs on her in this film. She is screaming through the whole thing. And I even post about it on Facebook. She screams through the whole thing, and I love it. She's got a fantastic
1: scream. Well, it's I have bad shit. news for you, Jamie. What? That it scream not- is just recycled, because Aww. that that's the first scream you hear in the very beginning. It's the same exact sound and pitch and everything. And then she does it again for, the I guess, the window or whatever. And then she does it again. Uh, some other time, I think, I think when the piano's playing or something like that.
2: And then there's like the scene where the hand is reaching around the yeah. wall at her, and she belts it out again. All right, well, yeah. she had she had an amazing scream then. Yeah, right, yeah, one, first, you know? one, one really awesome scream. <laughs> it was so good they had to use it numerous times. But my favorite part about the whole movie is her reaction to everything because I mean she just is. She kind of reminds me of uh, like in Temple of Doom. When and I know this is gonna seem like it's going nowhere, but in in Temple of Doom, and the when they're in the jungle, and Indy and Short Round are playing cards, and they're completely ignoring what's going on around them, and then you've got. Um, the woman just running back and forth, screaming, you know, just constantly. You know, there's a, a snake on her. She's screaming about that. There's a, some kind of other wildlife. She's screaming about that. And that's what it reminds me of, because every time you turn around, Carolyn Craig is just screaming about something, and she's <laughs> getting terrified, and it's hilarious.
0: Well, Jen pointed out, though. Jen made a really good point that um, while Carolyn Craig is screaming about everything, uh, one thing she didn't scream about was Vincent Price demonstrating that the guns were loaded, and she just he just... Fires the you know the the gun, blow uh you know destroys a vase and there wasn't a peep, including from Carol and Craig. And Jed's like, huh, that's funny that she's screaming about everything else, but she's okay with the gun just being fired, uh, at random <laughs> like that. So <laughs> that was uh, something that I you know I didn't notice um it right away. But when she made the joke, I was like, yeah, that's a good point. You know that's kind of a, a tough one. And the other thing I love about her character is we've got Lance Schroeder. Who um Jen corrected me on my eighties T V or you know, my T V trivia. I mistakenly said Schroeder was the handyman on one day at a time, but actually Schroeder plays the piano on uh uh Peanuts and Schneider is the the handyman on correct. one. Yeah, I was like all I had. Is correct, correct. Oh, I had a whole set of one day at a time jokes lined up and I couldn't <laughs> use a single one of them with Lance Schroeder. But um <laughs> I was I was disappointed. I was able to use a lot of uh you know, slick uh, pilot jokes and a lot of uh, creepy uh, sexual harassment jokes on him because uh, he does a great job of, like, trying to pin uh, Carolyn Craig down there in the basement. And um, for his troubles, he gets treated like Fred from Scooby-Doo. He just kind of gets tossed into a room, uh, gets hit on the head. And, uh, you know, I, I you were talking about Scooby-Doo. That seemed like a Scooby-Doo-esque thing to have the door shut like that, you know. Um, I don't know. Is that, Doesn't that seem kind of Scooby-Doo-ish?
2: Oh, yeah, and then when they find him, he's like, I must have bumped my head, and it's like, on what? You couldn't bump your head in here unless you ran straight into the wall, and you didn't do that, did you? <laughs> That's great. And if you recognize that guy, he, is, he was from the Big Valley. As well, I mean, he, had a, he did a lot of other TV stuff, too, but that was like his big, he was one of the brothers on the Big Valley, if you're at all familiar with that western show
0: i was trying to think what i saw lance schroeder because i think he did a, a movie too the mst3k panned and i can't remember which one it was but he he looks very familiar you know he's a definite late 50s early 60s that guy
2: oh yeah and he's you know he's a very manly looking and very you know very classically handsome you know he sticks out
0: Yeah, he's very, he's, oh, he's just, yeah. That's the one thing that nowadays that role would be played by, I'm not going to say by, my first instinct was to say Scott Walker would play that role, and I don't want to say that now because he's out no longer with us. But, you know, 10 years ago, it would have been that kind of a guy that would have played that role, and he would have just annoyed the hell out of us. But, you know, you can have fun with a Lance Schroeder now, I think. You know, I, I think in the 50s, one of the things I think that helps a movie like that today is that we can get a kick out of a Lance Schroeder the way that we can't get a kick out of, you know, name it for the, the main character, Freddie Prince Jr., whoever played those roles back then. Um, it just works so much better now to have a Lance in that part.
1: Lance. <laughs> what about then the
2: there's, big scene? Okay.
1: Okay, go ahead. Well, I was just saying, the big scene in the basement, I mean, him bumping his head, that's like, okay, but all of a sudden you have this, like, lady just standing there with these white shiny silver eyes and crazy hair in her hands like like she's gonna like attack you and just staring like a statue and this girl screaming in her face and then just (laughs) glides away and uh then we're we're to believe later on that oh they're just the caretakers and her name is jonah slides like are you kidding me (laughs) <laughs> is that some kind of joke? <laughs> they're like, oh, that's why she slides around. That's her name, Jonah Slides. I, and she so. was,
2: cl- yeah, she was clearly on a track. I mean, right. it's, it's like, you know, she's, a, what kind of caretaker is that? But that, I love the makeup on that. That is a, that is a really horrifying moment, I think, when, when you first come face to face with that woman and she's just like a, basically like a witch, just saying, and they're just like, Rah! you know, and, carolyn craig just screaming 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 and uh, as usual and then um they're like well she just she kind of floated like no it's more like gliding or like sliding Mm. i mean it was (laughs) she just like it was like a at an amusement park you know like a
1: um right yeah like a fun house that you go yes yes or airport maybe (laughs) she was on the moving sidewalk (laughs) (laughs) and didn't say that she's blind like how would she even know to glide through the doors and go up the stairs? like how does she even do that if she's blind
2: Maybe she's really one of those really awesome blind people. (laughs) I don't know. She's creepy. It's just
1: crazy. Yeah, but did you guys notice that you know, the setup of this movie, it's, it's it moves at such a good pace and so much goes on that by the like when the caretakers leave, and this whole thing starts, you're already halfway through the movie. Like that's the midway point.
0: I know what is it? A 69-minute runtime, or no, 70, something like that, 74, which mm-hmm. um, Jamie knows. Uh, I am a stickler for runtimes. Uh, anything over 88 minutes for me is like 90 minutes. It's it's pushing it. So this movie, I was like, "Ooh, I'm," you know, I hit the 15-minute mark, and I've only got an hour left. Um, yeah, so I yeah, noticed that easy. too.
2: He feels like he's putting in overtime if he if it goes over ninety minutes and it <laughs> it's like and every time I suggest a movie I end up suggesting something that's like two hours long and then I'm like I'm sorry. <laughs> well, so
0: sometimes they're good, but sometimes they're 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 you know the shooter and we're just like oh what are we doing with this extra, you know, I mean the shooter probably should have been seventy four minutes as well, um but yeah so sometimes two hours works you know sometimes three hours works but man if you can put it all together for me in 74 minutes, I am, you know, I'm forever in your debt. I, you know, you, you did a great thing. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the thing that...
2: This one does. It moves, it's such a clip that it's over before you realize it it has even gotten going. I mean, pretty much just, I'm interested from the very moment that we begin, you know, um, it's just even watching the cars ride in and... Uh, getting to meet the characters, we get the little introduction to each of the characters as they're coming in, you know, and then it just it just hits the ground running, and there's stuff around every corner. I never feel bored even for a second.
0: Oh my God, I just want to say quickly about the introductions. Jen had a great joke about that, or um you know where we live in delaware county pennsylvania the The ladies in the area. They're very gossipy. They're very, you know, like, judgmental. And um, the way, you uh, Vincent Price in, uh, introduced the woman who has the gambling problem, you know, she's, oh, she's, you lose a lot of money gambling. And so Jen just kind of said it exactly like, oh, she's a gambler. She's, you know, she had, she had a huge settlement, but she's a gambler. That's where she loses all her money. <laughs> and uh, it just felt just like that, you know, he's just, you know, hanging out, do bridge club telling uh, the other ladies, or Mahjong or something <laughs> like that, that he, oh yeah, she's a gambler. But, um, you know, I want to say quickly about the, the introductions because, talking about the original House on Haunted Hill, they had to do this huge thing about them all being related or something, and some craziness with that, that um, this movie didn't do any of that, and it didn't need it. And it kind of makes me wonder why, when Hollywood movies are, when they remake these old movies, why they need to put all of that other stuff in like why it can't be as simple as this thing you know what I mean
2: I said the same thing I was watching Rob Zombie's Halloween last night and I said exactly the same thing because we're about an hour into the movie before anything before we catch up to the beginning of the Carpenter Halloween and I'm like, I'm like, that was all so necessary. <laughs> Let me tell you, thank you for putting in all of that extra stuff that we really didn't need. I mean, it's just, it's because the original film just jumps, like it starts where it starts. And then, you know, you move on. You don't need to know any, any of the backstory. You don't, it doesn't, you don't require it. And it's just... You know, I'm, I'm noticing, like, oh, my God, how much do we have left in this movie? Because it's just now getting started. I mean, really. And I don't know why they feel the need to flesh things out. And there's a, there's a thing today where when people remake films, they feel the need to explain everything. And I don't, I don't really think everything requires an explanation. You know, we don't need it.
1: Yeah, it's the generation. It's the generation thing. Back then, <clears throat> simplicity, uh, you know, was the thing. Uh, you didn't have to have any explanation of why anyone's doing anything. And now, it seems oh, we're at a different level now. So this has to be inter- intricate. It's got to be interesting, and you got to know every facet of what led to here. Otherwise, you won't like it. Maybe you know, like wh- why? Why is that? Who said I won't like it? Just give me a good movie. You know, it's right. It's just crazy. It's crazy the approach that. Uh, People have these days to movies. But real quick, to get back to the intros, my favorite um, one is when they're in the – they're showing everybody in the car and they go to the doctor. And I, even as a kid, I actually believed what they said. He was like – he was describing the doctor and goes, but don't you see a touch of greed around the eyes and mouth? And you and I actually do when he says that. <laughs> do
2: you think that was uh, – do you think you see it because they tell you to or do you think you see it like the the actor actually –
1: I I don't know who to credit that to. Um, (laughs) He just does look like a greedy guy. I can
2: totally see it, too. I mean, (laughs) I I just uh, looking at him. And then you get that impression from him throughout. Um, And so I think they nailed it. I'm not really sure, though, whether – I'm not really sure whether I go in feeling that and, and then looking for that in him because they told me to. Or you know because the actor just sells it, or maybe the actor's greedy and it just comes off naturally. I'm not sure. Yeah,
0: maybe. Yeah. What did he say? He said something because he was he was supposed to be Mr. Sophisticated Doctor, and he was like for the most part he was very like Mr. Sophisticated, but he said something that was like very American accent to um to Lance. I I wish I could remember what it was like. Uh, did you something or did you do something? And we were just like, oh, there he is, Mr. Mister Doctor. And uh, the other thing with the Doctor was Jen's like, uh, he's going to either suggest a sedative for uh, for Carol's <laughs> character. He's either going to try to give her one, or he's actually going to inject it. Like, he's going to do it against her will. Um, and we find out, of course, later that they're, the whole purpose of him not administering the sedative was that they needed her to uh, try to kill, or her to accidentally kill uh, Vincent Price's character. Um, but it was funny, it, like, we could see it coming. you know We see enough of these movies. They, they kept talking about the hysteria, um, which led to some Def leopard album jokes by me. but um we knew <laughs> we knew the hysteria was going to lead to uh, the sedative, and of course, you know, and then I made a few jokes about Lance also wanting the doctor to administer a sedative so he could maybe uh, make his move. but um yeah, the doctor was a great character, and I think you could kind of you know it was hard to tell. Uh, Going into it, if he was going to play the role that he did um, of being potentially the uh, the one of the co-conspirators, you know, if you will.
2: Yeah, I think um, the all you know what I find interesting about this is that it's a pretty much a perfect cross section of every. I mean, each one of those characters is representative of who they are. Um, Even like the with. Nora and her running about screaming and then Lance with his, just his very, you know, male, uh, I'm in charge of this kind of thing, you know, like, okay. For instance, the scene where he tells her, he goes into her room and she's freaking out. And then he's like, I got to get out of here. I'm going to find a way out of here. I'm going to get help. And she's like, okay, I'm going with you. And he's like, no, you stay here. You're safer here than anywhere else. Because if they find out you're alive, then, you know, it's, it's going to be bad. So you're safer here than anywhere else. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, like hell. And I turned to Brian, I'm like, in this situation, if you try to leave me behind, I am whipping your ass. <laughs> I'm not staying here. And he's like, but you're the girl, you're safer where you are. And <laughs> like he, like, yeah, but it was, so it was very a product of its time, you know? And then she's like, okay, well, if you say I'm safer here, then I'll be safer here. Whereas today, um, I don't know any woman who would just be like, okay. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, Lance's feeling was he put a lot of work into getting her into that bedroom and he wasn't just going to let her, like, <laughs> I, 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 you know, it's funny because thinking about him being a pilot, I've completely turned him into a uh, quagmire from family guy. And, uh, I didn't even think about the fact that he's also a pilot too. So, I guess that kind of makes sense. We didn't hear any giggities, but maybe there were some that we didn't catch. I don't know. He's
2: going to flip a couple of buttons and then like a bar is going to pop down in her bedroom and they're going to start hearing scent. There's going to be a circular bed. <laughs> yeah, he was very um he was very manly. I keep saying that, but that's the only thing I can think of when I picture his character is just he was just very manly. You know, and she was very uh, vulnerable. I think that's probably a good way to describe her. She was vulnerable.
0: Yeah, which, you know, you want that, of course, and your heroine is vulnerable. And I was trying to remember who played her part, if there was someone playing her part. And I'm trying to remember, too, if Tate Diggs was technically Lance's part or if somebody else played that part. Um, I. <laughs> T- Digital Day dicks. I know, but um. oh, I
2: don't, Alex, do you remember? I don't even remember. Apart from Jeffrey Rush, I don't remember anyone who was in the
1: remake. Yeah, Famke Jansen.
2: Oh, that was she? Because I knew she. I knew she was in. Wasn't she in The Haunting too?
1: I don't know, but I think she was definitely here. And okay. And and some blonde girl who who seems famous to me, but I don't. I don't really remember. Uh, what she was in but I think a girl who was sort of like on the up rise of her career but it actually never went anywhere really that, <laughs> that I know of <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah I have no clear memory of any of those people the
0: blonde was the girl who played Billy Madison's girlfriend um, if you remember that one
2: oh um <laughs> Brittany yeah, something bro, Um, shoot she was uh, what is her name she was also in uh, Dungeons and Dragons I think or Mortal Kombat, one of those. Um, Brid, Brid,
0: Bridget something, Bridget, Bridget or Brittany, Brittany or Bridget, right? There's you Bridget.
2: Know. yeah, okay, yeah. Whatever happened to her?
0: Um, uh, she married Pete Sampras, I believe, and maybe started having kids. Um, that oh, yeah. that yeah. happens sometimes, you know. Mister P- <laughs> Mister Sampras, yeah. There we go. There's Famke Jansen There's Tay Diggs, Jeffrey Rush. Um, who else we got here? Peter Gallagher. Oh, Peter, Mister Eyebrows himself.
2: I was about, that's exactly what I was about to say, Mr. Eyebrows. Oh,
0: the blonde, I think, was Allie Larder, actually. As opposed to um as opposed to Br- but, funny
2: but, when because when and Alex originally said the, the blonde who's who was kind of big at the time, Allie Larder was the first person that popped into my head. And okay. I have no memory of her being in that movie, but that's the first actress that I thought of when he said that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, who
2: played Elisha Cook's character? Um. The uh. You know. The oh. What was his name? The purr? uh the, the, ah, Chris
0: Kattan. It? Chris Kattan played that part. Watson really? Pritchett. Yeah. He's listed as Watson Interesting. Pritchett. Interesting. I don't see you a know, Lance like in here at all. The, There's no Lance. Another,
2: um. He was a big character actor, and I always love seeing him. He always plays a great little nervous man, which is which which is perfect for this film. Um. But he was also the real estate guy in Rosemary's Baby, who sold them the apartment in the beginning, and he's walking them around the apartment, telling them all, you know, like, oh, well, we, we, we can, I have the right to show this apartment. We can move this, and I can show it to you, that guy. And he was, been, he was in a lot of, like, westerns and stuff uh, back in the day. But he was a great little character actor. He always had a great screen presence, I think.
0: I want to say, when he was younger, um, when he was much younger, he was in um, the Maltese Falcon, I believe, um, well I should cook uh, let me um, now i'm now i'm like IMDBing in it but he, i'm pretty sure he was in the yeah the Maltese falcon he was the one who was um who uh what's his face was giving him a hard time like uh, <laughs> he said uh he tried to get the drop on uh on humphrey bogart's character and humphrey bogart ca- said something to something to the effect of uh that's how people lose teeth or you lose teeth that way kid and, um, you know, he kept messing with him the whole time. And he's you know, like, you know, you keep funding me, man, and I'm going to do this or that to you. You know, he was trying to be like the, the young tough. And, of course, uh, you know, eventually uh, Humphrey Bogart had to deal with him. So, uh, yeah, he, he I think that that was like 1941. So he was, you know, he started a while back at that time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've seen stuff where he was young. But interestingly, every time I think of him, uh, Cook, I mean, every time I think of him, I picture him looking exactly the same. You know, and it's like once he reached this point, like he didn't really seem to age. He always looked the same, you know, and um, but he always was really nervous. He was like a little guy. He was kind of diminutive, I think. And, um, of course, anyone next to Vincent Price was going to be a little guy. But um, that's just he's always just like a little like a little rat, very nervous and rat like. But I love it because he's <laughs> terrified.
0: Yeah, he was fantastic. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, he was like, oh my god. And, and Yeah, um, I mean, thinking of him... Like, oh, uh, on IMDb, they said his last role was an episode of ALF. So that's how he went out, was an episode of ALF in 1988. But, uh, yeah, so that was his last role. But, you know, you needed that character. The The horror film back then it needed the Elisha Cook character, where he... Um, you know he's kind of uh, you know a little little um like you said diminutive um little creepy but he's always warning people he's a little bit little bit iffy you know we don't want him walking around with that knife you know put the knife down killer um kind of thing and then if kind of came a joke later on cuz he was drinking so much like Jen and I would joke whenever he's his character would walk in the room would be like okay the sherry's back there you know or uh um <laughs> Lance had a bottle and I was like oh uh, i just managed to wrestle this away from Pritchard and I was able to bring this up for us you know so um, at that point, he kind of just became a drunk, but he was still a lot of fun. And, yeah, between him and, and Vincent Price, you know, you had a lot of great moments there.
1: No, I, I love those moments because <clears throat> it's weird. Vincent Price treated him like a kook in the beginning and then sort of gave him some, like, validity. He's like, well, why don't you show us around the house? And he's like, so uh, isn't this where this happened? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right here a strangler. and this is every uh, someone died in every room in this house you know like like he's sort of like you know he was he was a legit kind of guy he got some respect but at the same time he knew he was a you know nut job and it's weird because i wonder why they treated him like that like he was just uh not you know uh a, a reliable source or whatever because you know, the house was haunted. I mean, a lot of people did die in there, and supposedly he spent the night and was almost killed. And that's the interesting thing, because even if you go on the premise that this house, I guess, is not haunted, yeah, people did die there, but we already have explanations. The heads were put there for this person. We have no idea why a lady was gliding across the floor, but uh, we, we know the doctor and the lady were in on this other thing, and he was the hand and the and this and that. But what's the explanation for why... Pritchard or whatever his name is how he was almost dead in the morning when he spent the night there a couple years ago like well what is there really ghosts there like I don't even understand
2: I think the impression I get of him is that he is so terrified of this place that as soon as he said it like in the opening of the film when he was talking about how when he spent the night there and when they found him the next morning he was almost dead I get the impression that he was just on the verge of killing himself not like physically killing himself, but he was so terrified that he probably could have dropped from fear, you know, just uh, maybe just on the verge of a heart attack, even just because he was just, he let it get to him that much. I mean, because one of the people that had died in the house was his brother. So it was very close to home for him. And, you know, you start thinking about if you're in a situation like that and you're all alone and it's uh, creepy because that house is pretty creepy. um, And then it has a history You know, I can imagine that I would probably be huddled in a corner (laughs) somewhere by the time they found me in the morning uh, just because you let your imagination uh, take you away. So I I think he just sort of fed into his own fears, and I don't know that – I don't necessarily think anything really happened. He probably just imagined a lot of it happening and then freaked himself out. But your impression of him was so dead on – uh, when you were mm. That um, it's like I don't know. You recently watched Rosemary's Baby when Guy did an impression of him. That's exactly what you sounded like when <laughs> Guy was like. And then this is the and this is the second half of the unit and the partition was here. And then they mm. um and that's immediately what I thought of because your impression and his impression were the same and that's funny.
1: Yeah, it's like it's it's like people who imitate Elvis all do it wrong the same way <laughs> or know?
2: Christopher Walken. Everybody. Hey. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's uh yeah, I mean, I, I loved I loved every character. There was I mean, there was almost no throwaway characters. Uh if you had to do one, I suppose it's the old lady who got the blood on her hand. I mean, she probably had the least impact, I'd say out of everybody uh here.
0: Yeah, she was the the Shakespeare connection for the film. Is that what we were Maybe that's what it was. We needed to have a little uh a, you know, it, maybe they thought the Hamlet aspect of it wasn't enough and so if that's what we could call that with the, the plot to kill the husband but yeah I think uh, they, they wanted to show their chops the writer was like oh you know I, I read Shakespeare I can do a little Macbeth in here I'll, I'll hit you know and, and that was yeah, it she's
2: muttering under her breath every time she's wiping off her hand she's muttering out damn spot out yeah. <laughs> she exactly. was really integral to the film because she had to, she had to be the one to stand under the blood spots all the time <laughs> that's
0: right the chocolate syrup she needed it to, to, to she, we needed somebody to have the chocolate syrup trips, but you know it's interesting, yeah, because um you know she's there, and i I think you know one thing I think about the modern horror film that this film does you know that this film doesn't need and and I don't think any necessarily modern horror film needs is that uh, she bites it in a modern horror film, you cannot be that character and survive till the end, and we we joke about that in fact, don't we we joke that you know this character always dies, or this character always dies. And um, so, in in that sense, there's a level of predictability in a modern horror film that we don't get from a movie like this because, you know, she can survive. The gambling woman with the the blood or chocolate syrup on her hands, she can survive, and Mr. Pritchett, he can survive. You know, whereas in the new house on Haunted Hill, you know, Chris Kattan's got to die in a horrible way, and um what's her name uh you know whoever played the equivalent to that character also had to bite it so um you know i think that's the thing is that in the movies back then they didn't need to kill everybody off you just needed to kill a few people and uh and that's plenty for us and just have a skeleton walk around and um that, that you know which
2: was fantastic Hmm. That that skeleton puppet moment was...
1: The jive walk? Was <laughs> it? <laughs> Where his hands are going back and forth like he's uh, one of those guys in the bar and yes. Weird Science? Yes. yes, that's
0: awesome. And then, like, what is she? He, like, puts his hand on to, like, kind of, like, give advice. And that's how he shoves her into the, the pit of acid. It's like she just kind of puts the hand on the shoulder like, let me give you a little, adv- you know. Here, it's okay. Everything's going to be all right. Boom, yeah. in you go. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I love that little, he was dancing a little jig on the way up to her. (laughs) That was so great. You know, and Brian told me his mom saw this film uh, when it was released originally, and she said that it was terrifying. Like when she, and she's a horror fan, like she watches horror now, like present day stuff. And uh, she said that when she went to see it in the theater, it was really, really scary. And I love that. I love that they had such a, a real impact back then you know
0: I, I think when I was watching it I was trying to imagine being in a movie theater um, because that's one of the things is you know watching it at home watching it on the computer or whatever um, you lose a little of the impact and I think some of the things like the, um, the housekeeper who we think is a ghost or a witch and of course we none of us have seen Psycho yet in 1959 if we're watching it uh, in the theater um, so you know you see that and you're just like whoa you know I mean that would just boom that would hit you I think um and i think other aspects like that um seeing the dead uh, the woman hanging there things like that um i think they'd have more impact in the theater and and so in that sense i think it would be scarier also the skeleton it it looks it looks kind of funny but i think also knowing that she's going to get shoved in the, the the acid thing um that might be enough you know to freak you out especially if you're a, a younger woman or younger man watching it in 59 i think i would have been a little bit like oh god i don't want to go in the vat of acid you know
1: well either he was going to shove her in or she just was going to voluntarily sort of hop in because she (laughs) just walked right up to it and she did she almost tripped she's like okay i'm good but i'm going to stay right here and then just continue to scream in your face and then uh (laughs) whatever happens happens i guess and then she was willing to just do that (laughs) i don't know why why not run to a different corner like oh oh Jesus Christ, acid right behind me? Okay, hold on. Okay, and then move somewhere else. No, she's, she's all good. She's like, I'm set. I just almost fell, but I'm good.
0: Well, the, the puppet I strings.
2: strings. I was thinking the same thing. When, I'm, when she's backing up and she's right on the edge of the acid vat and he's still coming and she's just screaming. And I'm like, why don't you just step three feet to the side, you know, run around it, go out of the, you know, run around the thing. What are you doing? You know, and She's no, like, I'm right. I'm just going to fall in. That's good. I'm good. I'm good.
1: Yeah, it's clearly not an aggressive skeleton. It has no skills of really entrapment. Like no, he's I, just I, dancing. Yeah. Just, uh, Do well, you think the,
0: the strings may have corralled her? Like that's, you know, she. we didn't know that, but she was like, I can't go there. I'm going to trip over that clothesline or maybe, I don't know.
1: And how was Vincent Price projecting his voice? What was he using? I Ventriloquism. Yes. <laughs> <Did> it echo. <laughs> yes. My third wife Very taught talented.
0: me. <laughs> you, you didn't know that my third wife taught me how to be a great ventriloquist.
1: Oh, <laughs> Nora, it's time <laughs> you killed me, but guess what? <laughs> <laughs>
0: you wanted arsenic on the rocks. Time to take <laughs> a bath, honey. Uh,
1: it's not that funny anymore, right? Eh? <laughs> yeah, that, that's just that's just funny. But what do you guys think of you know the whole thing is House on Haunted Hill? What do you what's your opinion of this actual house? Because even growing up, I admit I never dug the look of this place. Like it looked like like uh, I don't even know like some kind of uh, you know like an institution. Yeah, yeah, this, You
2: mean the outside? Yeah, yeah, yeah it like, know, like a like a Vegas resort it. maybe like a yeah, Vegas I mean, resort it's, casino. It's t- What I was hoping before we see the outside, you know, you have this picture of, I guess you see it like pretty much straight off, but like going into it, like you have this picture of the, of a haunted house, like what you, what you think of when you think of a haunted house or something mansion like, and it just, it's very institutional, you know, and it's very, a lot of, a lot of really rigid 90 degree angles, you know, and I guess it was, you know, uh, modern architecture at the time. I, I don't know, but I never really cared for it.
0: Yeah, I like I, the inside. Yeah, that drawing for the outside. That was my what I told Jen. I, it looked like some kind of a, you know, Vegas, casino resort like Caesar's Palace type thing or something, or like you know, the Luxor or something. Um, you know, and I think that's what's interesting. A lot of times when you get those things, you get the the, the matte painting drawing, and um, you know, who knows how that worked? Who knows if maybe they used a painting from another film? Um, and we may never know what that film was because it may have been much more obscure. Um, you know, but I, or, or it may have been a film that never made it uh, onto the screen and they were just like, ah, let's use it for this horror film with Vincent Price. Um, but you're right, it never seemed to fit. It didn't, There's no way to figure out where people were in relation to that haunted house from the outside.
2: Yeah, and that's true. I never could quite get a grasp on... Now, we've we, we become very intimate with... The hallway and the stairwell where the body was hanging and then where the some of the rooms are, like where Nora's room was and and, and Vincent Price's and his wife's room. We, we get an idea about that, but I could never quite get a handle on the layout of the entire house because from the outside, it's very expansive. I mean, it's huge. And, but they only ever seem to really be in certain places on the inside, <laughs> and like, well, what's going on in the rest of the house? Did you not? Because there's a lot of house. There's a, a lot uh, that, or at least appeared to me to be a lot of house, and I don't feel like we get to see all of that. Of course, this was a William Castle production, and um, he's cheap, so <laughs> so I guess they, you know, they they did with what they had. Um, and now, does anybody know if there was anything? Um, because you know William Castle was very gimmicky, and so like he would have you sign your death certificate when you walked in, or he would do like for the tingler he made the seats buzz and things like that. Were there was there anything for this movie?
0: Well, let's see what yeah, the old. Like I
2: should know, but um, I can't recall. It might just be one where you had to sign like your death certificate, or he could have had because he would do things like have an ambulance on site with nurses on site. To um, in case anyone passed out or you know had a heart attack during the the mm-hmm. the f- during the viewing of the film, which of course I mean you watch this now and you can't really picture that happening.
1: <laughs> I have an but, answer to
0: your question. I just ooh, went to uh, yeah. Now before we get to this answer, the the trivia above it is that um of course we, you know we recognize some of the things from Psycho. He actually Hitchcock used a lot of this. Uh, film in making psycho uh, he was uh inspired by this, um, and he said this led him to create his old le- low budget horror film Psycho, of course, which is uh you know one of the top films of the twentieth century um, but
2: and one of alex 's favorite movies
0: yeah, I, one of my favorites <laughs> too i've always loved that one but here 's the answer to your question. He used a gimmick called Emerjo or Emergo in uh-huh. theaters when the skeleton rises from the vat of acid in the film. A lighted plastic skeleton on a wire appeared from a black box next to the screen to swoop over the heads of the audience. The skeleton would then be pulled back into the box as the skeleton in the film is reeled in. Uh, Many theaters soon stopped using this effect because when the local boys heard about it, they would bring slingshots to the theater. And uh, when the skeleton started its journey, they would pull out their slingshots. um, uh, Also, they could use BBs, uh, anything they would find. They would shoot at them. So, uh, yeah, so that's... uh, That's
2: funny. But that's what I'm talking about. That's the William Castle I love. Right there is uh, there was always a gimmick, and uh, but I wish we had that sort of thing today. I wish that there was a way to do that for the mass market now, where people would like. I'm always thinking of like the beginning of Scream Two, where everyone's in the theater, they've got their prop costumes and knives and stuff and everybody's going nuts in the theater and you know i wish we had experiences like that where you could really be involved in it and i guess really the closest thing is like if you go to like see a bug's life at at animal kingdom or something whereas they'll squirt some water at you or um or you know whatever but it's uh i love that interactive experience and I think that by doing that, when people, it was a very clever marketing thing, you know, because people would go in and they're like, oh man, I have to sign my death certificate. This is going to be really scary. I mean, so they're hyping themselves up before they even get into the movie. So they're already anticipating that it's going to be really scary because, you know, the, the, of all they had to go through to get in it. And I think that's really, really clever. You know, if people would, if there was a possible to take the time and the money to do something like that now, then we, some of the, maybe some of the more mediocre films that we go to now wouldn't seem quite so mediocre in the process.
0: Yeah, it seems like now instead what you get is uh, things like Partners Hub sending emails out to us bloggers and podcasters trying to get us to uh, buzz market big budget films for free instead of uh, like you said these really cool interactive features that really uh, you know add to that aspect of uh, of the film and. I think part of it is maybe the big budget nature of movies in general now. Um, you know, it's I, I don't know, like you know, let's let's get the biggest 3D thing and see what we can do. Um and it would be a lot of fun. For example, if they had a film um maybe like the new Purge or whatever they're going to make the next sequel of, if um <coughs> excuse me. If you had some sort of a, um, you know, like you said, you sign your death certificate or remember they used to have the the, the vomit bags? Um, and people would mm-hmm. collect those, I mean, how cool would that be to get your own vomit back for the movie? You know,
2: or like um even as early as late as John waters uh when there was a film that he I don't remember if it was pink flamingos or one of his films that he released he he had lobby cards when you walked in because it was filmed in smellovision and you would at at particular times in the film you would scratch off little pieces of your lobby card and it would smell like i mean horrible things it would smell like dog poo or whatever was on the screen at the time and i mean it was so it was not a pleasant experience but i still it still heightened it and it sort of uh, that sort of harkened back to the old william castle stuff which i love incidentally um and yet another rosemary's baby connection here. Not only was Elisha Cook in both films, but William Castle was a producer on Rosemary's Baby and wanted to direct it. And they said no. <laughs> and I think rightfully so, because as much as I love William Castle, I can't imagine um, a William Castle version of Rosemary's Baby, because it just would not have had the same uh, the same effect, I don't think. So that, we, that was kind of a close call there. But um, uh, he wanted to. So there was and there's a lot of um uh, uh a lot of integration going on, you know, a lot of relatable things. He was in the movie, by the way though, and I know we're not talking about Rosemary's maybe we never stay on topic. The the, <laughs> the um the guy when Rosemary is in the phone booth making the phone call to the doctor Uh, trying to, when she's figured out this whole plot and she's trying to call her old doctor, the old man that comes walking up to attempt to use the phone booth is William Castle, who is the person who directed this film. And so
0: there There we go. go. Just
2: A little unimportant tidbit that nobody gives a damn
0: about. (laughs) No, that's cool. That's cool. Now, I actually just kind of read myself about the house that we were talking about being horrible, me saying that maybe it was a matte painting or something. Uh, It's the Enos Brown house that was designed by... Frank Lloyd Wright in 1924 um, that was used for the exterior shots, um, which kind of makes sense because it's, um, if you notice that the drive up there, there was a sidewalk and a railing, that um, it made me think maybe they were driving to some sort of historical place, and I guess this is listed um, um, on the Register of Historic Places, so uh, he just, you know, I guess the free place that he could go and shoot a house he decided to go there
2: yeah because I mean he could stand out in the street and shoot all he wanted um for for free so you know and that's a that's a a very low budget thing to do so why not although I never really cared for the exterior but
0: no none of us it didn't work for any of us but um but well, we just crossed the uh the nine o'clock threshold so uh why don't we say like what do we think um, I think we've all kind of are our, our, our Our thoughts, our our recommendations are pretty unanimous, right? That this is a a definite go. It's a definite plus, right?
2: For sure. Yeah. I mean, if you've never seen this one, God forbid, if you've only ever seen the original, I mean, the remake. Um, But if you've never seen this, check it out. I mean, I am a firm believer that, and I say it all the time, that uh, it's important to know where we come from in order to understand where we've ended up. And so I think it's really important for, uh, to have a base in the classics, you know, and they're classics for a reason, you know. And if for no other reason than Vincent Price alone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, before we – I don't know we we're going to wrap it up. One more thing, if I could just mention one thing that just baffles me about this. <laughs> so this girl, Nora, you know, she's, she starts walking around, I guess after the, the window incident. And, she you know, she screams down that hallway running out. She goes down the stairs, sees the lady hanging again, screams, sees the piano. The hand goes to grab her, screams five, three or four minutes later, the uh, doctor comes to Vincent Price's door and he's like, "Uh, hey, uh, there's either someone else in here or blah, blah, blah. And he goes, because did you hear something? He goes, yeah, I heard an organ playing. Yeah, me too. And Footsteps. Footsteps? You
2: heard footsteps? <laughs> but not that shrill screaming but that she's not... been doing the entire time.
1: Right. Like, how could this line not be revived? Like, nobody—I j- I just don't even understand.
2: Actually, it's funny. Brian pointed out the same thing.
1: Yeah. You don't hear that. you heard footsteps, but both of you, the screaming escaped both of you. Yeah, it was like yeah, an elephant
0: in the room. Cut.
2: Yeah, you could hear that screaming down the street.
1: Yeah, like
0: maybe neither of them wanted to admit they heard it because the whole thing was that like the doctor and the wife were using Nora to be the killer and Vincent Price knew they were doing that, so maybe nobody wanted to admit that they heard her screaming and it was kind of like a, a goofy thing. But I think you're right. I think it was more like uh, they added the scream seed after and realized that that line came after that part and they would like, oh, maybe we should have mentioned the scream part, but they didn't.
2: See, because I would think it was odd... If I was either one of those characters, I would think it was odd that the other one didn't hear it, you know. So if like if they purposely don't mention it, I'd be like, huh, you know. <laughs> so I would be then automatically suspicious of one or the other, you know. But yeah, that was a, that was a, like, they're right, and she's right there, running past all their rooms, screaming her head off, right there at the stairs, screaming her head off, you know, when the hand reached, screaming her head off again, and like, you know, yeah, I heard an organ playing, what?
1: (laughs) Classic. (laughs) Yeah, well, thanks for letting me get that last bit in. Um, As for the, for the movie, yeah, I mean, you know, sadly enough, I didn't revisit it. For a while now, and I don't know why, you know, I'm just busy with the show and just things I have to watch, things like that, lots of TV shows try to, trying to catch up on, so, you know, I, I really, I guess I just haven't revisited for no specific reason, but uh, today, you know, I did for the show, and I got, I got way into it again, man, I think it still holds up if you just uh, focus and get into it, um, <clears throat> it's strong throughout, it's a uh, great atmosphere, I love the inside of that house. Uh, the characters are all solid. Uh story moves along. I mean, you know, some things are questionable, but it's, you know, nineteen fifty eight or nine, whatever you said. So uh, you know, on an, an enjoyment level, like a Netflix rating, I I give this like a four point five out of five. Like I really liked it. To loved it.
0: Yeah, and you know, one thing I wanted to say too about Netflix is that um, you know, this movie has a lot of bad uh versions out there as far as like quality of the the, the film and the DVD or the VHS. Um, I actually read that on IMDb, why that is. I guess the the film, the copyright lapse, so anybody can put it out there that, that wants to. But this Netflix copy is good. This Netflix instant version is good. It's good quality, so you don't have to worry about getting a bad quality of this, too. So I think it's a, a really great platform to be able to check this out. And uh, like you said, it's, like you both said, it's, you know, it's good to know where you came from. And, you know, Jen saw some, um, you know, classic Netflix reviewer said, this movie was crap compared to the remake. Don't oh listen to them. God. Don't listen to them. Get in there and watch this. You're what, going to love this.
1: We actually, um, yeah, I, I could never find a good format for this movie, but I believe it was just released on Blu-ray recently. It's in a, a Vincent Price like ten pack or something like that. Oh, oh was that's it one cool. of the?
2: Was it Scream Factory that did mm-hmm. the two recent uh, Vincent Price collections?
1: Yep. Yeah. So I didn't. They didn't send me the screener for that one, unfortunately. They don't really send them if they're like the big things. They just send me like the single movies or whatever. But so I didn't get that, and I'm not gonna pay eighty dollars for the whole collection either. So, but yeah, but if
0: you don't, you know, the Netflix one I think it it does the trick, which is it's a good deal. But yeah, Blu-ray I think you know, especially if you're a horror completist, um, you know, it's something to consider because this is this is as good, uh, you know, this is a, a great one. It's it's definitely one of the
2: greats. Yeah, and I think it really does have some genuinely creepy moments. You know, I mean, like I said earlier, you know, I, I, can, I can't imagine people being terrified of it these days like they would have been back then. However, there are a few moments that will, like the woman, the, the, um, the caretaker woman, that got me. You know, I mean, she's just suddenly right there in your face, and that's a pretty scary-looking face. So, you know, I think it works on a lot of levels.
0: Excellent, yeah. Well, why don't we, um, we got a little bit of time, left. So why don't we wrap up here with uh, our usual what-have-you-got-going-on uh, segment. I might as well get mine out of the way because mine is a whole lot of nothing. Um, I've been meaning to get a <laughs> review up about um, uh, Killing Season, hopefully soon. Um, I, it, what happens is with my job is when the end of the month comes, it's just like a rush to get grades in, to pile as many classes in as I can uh, to get that end-of-the-month check. Um, so I just I've I've lapsed, but I'm gonna try to get back on that. So um, so that's for sure. Uh, Jamie, what have you got? I know uh, last night you had uh, the Insomniacs playlist.
2: Yeah, it was uh, it was the Halloween episode, and I it was it's about two and a half hours. Um, I posted the Dropbox link on my Facebook and on Twitter. So um, I urge everyone to check it out. I played a whole lot of everything. It was, I hit just about every genre. Um, I even had a country song in there and things like, you know, things that you expect like, um, Monster Mash and Ghostbusters, some Elvira songs, but I had some metal in there. i mean a little bit of something for everybody. And it was all about, uh, celebrating Halloween. So it, that was a good time. And let's see, of course there's the, this Friday on Halloween, our 100th episode of Skeleton Crew will be dropping. Uh, Currently on Devour, we're about to record our Friday 5 show. Um, But uh, Friday 3 and 4, those two episodes have been released now, so they're they're available for listening. And what else do we do? Oh, and Evil Episodes, uh, we always do our usual TV wrapping up. I did just recently, and it came out today... Uh, on horrorphilia, there's a not so evil episodes uh, episode that that uh, Brian and I both guested on, where we talked about our very first memorable horror experience and the movie that uh, sort of inducted us as horror fans. And there were four of us discussing, and and it's really interesting to hear at what time period each person came in, because it was very it was varied, and how your approach to horror then uh, went on from that. So that was a fun show. And uh, I guess that's about it.
1: Cool. Yeah. Uh, I got, uh, we just released on skeleton crew top hor- top 10 horror movies. Uh, the three of us gave our top 10 favorite horror movies of all time. Uh, that shows, and you can find everything I'm going to say on the skeleton Dot net. And, um, <clears throat> On Banana Laser, we did a. Um, we have a show coming out tomorrow, called uh, it. Well, it's the name. I, I don't really know what it's going to be called, but it, it's it's uh, the W N F U Halloween special. I think that's what it's called. W N U F. Yeah, we did a whole review <laughs> on. that. I can't get any name right. Apparently, we we did a, a whole review on that. And we talked about the origins of Halloween and just fun stuff like that. We have a few skits in there. Uh, like Jamie's Head, Halloween night, uh, we're releasing Skeleton Crew 100. It's a it's a gigantic eight hour show. Epic. Epic, gigantic. It's the best of clips, specials, like everything you can imagine. Um, and uh, we just released a Halloween 5 commentary uh, about uh, two days ago. So you could, all that stuff is brand new, and you could check it out at skeletoncrew.net.
2: And I also um, I'm glad you mentioned Banana, banana Laser because this came out. I think it was today, um, or was it yesterday? The I think it was today. The commentary. I I joined the Banana Laser guys to do a commentary on the movie Hacko Lantern, which is not very good, but I think the commentary will be a lot of fun. <laughs> but the movie's not not, not so hot. But no? <laughs> <laughs> but I would I urge everyone to check that out, and that's at horrorphilia.com.
0: Perfect. Well, maybe we ought to uh, we'll wrap things up now because uh, just be- we've had a really good run here with Mixler for the past like uh, 45 <laughs> minutes, but maybe we don't want to push our luck. But uh, I want to uh, thank you, Alex, for coming on the show today. It was great to meet you and great to have you on.
1: Yeah, you too. Thanks a lot, man. It was a really good time, good, good choice of movies, and uh, thanks for thinking of me.
0: Definitely. We'll have to have you on again sometime. Uh, yep. Again, as always, thank you, Jamie, for... Uh, First, for introducing me to Alex, and also for uh, another great show.
2: Oh, I had a blast as always, and as soon as you mentioned this as our Halloween selection, uh, Alex is the first person that popped into my mind, and I wouldn't have had it any other way.
0: <laughs> yeah, I it, I'm glad you mentioned that because I I know I I was like, what should we do for Halloween? And then when I saw this was on instant, I said. Why not go for it? Let's give it a try. You know, I mean, it, we know it's not going to be bad, and I think that's that's what's important sometimes with a, a Halloween episode or a special like that.
1: Yeah, yeah no, I, I think it would work out. I mean, if you love Halloween and you love uh, classic horror movies, this is the uh, this is the show to listen to.
0: Yes, but yeah, it, it, a, a film like that, it's definitely it's going to be the one. It's you know, it's going to be up there as, as one of the best ones. All right. And I want to thank Brian for, you know, uh, Jamie's bow. <laughs> his, his technical support. For his technical support. <laughs> his eyes on the – or ears on the ground for us tonight, letting us know uh, how we were doing as far as the technical stuff. So thank you for that, Brian. And uh, a quick shout-out to Jen. I love you, baby. And uh, I'll be in the room there in a few minutes, so <laughs> – I'll see it a little bit. But uh, thank you all for listening. Um, I, again, sorry about the technical problems. You just never know, I guess, with Mixler. But we had a good run for a few weeks there. So maybe we just we needed one, one bad one there to just kind of, uh, uh, you know. My fault. Keep us on our toes. Keep us on our toes. I don't know if it was your fault. It was Vincent Price's <laughs> fault. You know, he didn't want us talking about this. <laughs> but, uh,
1: yeah, he's like, hey.
0: Yeah. But I want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next week on the direct-to-video connoisseur. So have a great night, everyone. Happy
1: Halloween. Happy Halloween.